T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I would never be a cop. If, if I had a son, and by the way, some of my closest friends in my life are cops right now. And over the years, and I've been at this a while, as you know, my, my closest friends in the business have been cops for a hundred different reasons. A lot of it's loyalty and dedication and the risk factors and their volatile lives and some of the similarities in how we think and their chase for justice and all that stuff. And uh, I'm watching that video this morning, and I don't know if you folks saw it, of this police officer who's in critical condition, who was shot in the head, just trying to do his damn job uh, in Florida. And if you saw the video, you can see all he did was tell the kid to sit down in the car and the kid shot him and ran. Um, all I'm suggesting is, is that right now, right now, if my son wanted to be a cop, regardless of how I feel about cops, I would do everything in my power to tell him, hell no. I would handcuff him. Drug them, send them away, something, because it's it's that bad for them. And and look at the numbers, ma'am. They don't lie. Almost a forty percent increase in homicide rates in every major city in America. Higher than that in Pittsburgh. It's insane what's happening here. A lot more homicides. A hundred percent increase over last year. Eighty percent increase in in shootings. And the officers are saying to hell with you. I'm out. How do I know this? Because I've got Union President Bob Schwartzwalder here. We've been friends forever, quite frankly. And um, we've gone through a lot in this town. All right, man, I'm going to ask you the same question I just answered. If you have a son, and right now he says to you, Dad, I'm going to be a cop, what would you tell him, Bob? Well, I do have a son, Marty. He's 26 years old, and I would absolutely not. I would absolutely discourage him. I'm so glad he never wanted to go that route. And he's in the IT field and the computer field. I'm so glad he never thought to be a police officer. But if he did, I'd probably lock him up and throw away the key. And by the way, we've known each other for a long time, man. You have never said that before. Correct. And, and the reason being is because I've spent 33 years in this business and 14 years in the, in the military business, which I would never discourage anybody from the military because no, no, it's treated no. differently. But law enforcement today... Uh, even if my son was dire straits, I'd move him in with me. He's out on his own. Right. I'd move him in with me and take care of him before I let him be a police officer. It's that bad. Correct. That's and, exactly right. And you said it, right? You would lock him up before you'd let him be a cop. Correct. Correct. I'd lock him in my basement and, and wouldn't let him out. It's that bad. Correct. Tell me why, sir. Well, primarily, it's this misunderstanding of what the role of police are in society today. And it's being driven by both traditional and social media. And I'm not talking about irresponsible traditional media, and I'm not talking about irresponsible social media. 
But there's a lot of hype out there that's saying that, and, and, and a lot of public servants are getting attacked this way, teachers, superintendents, police, everybody, uh, with this hype, and it's not based on fact. 50 million, 50 million interactions between police, 50 to 60 million interactions between police a year, less than 1.4% of all those end in some type of use of force, and less than a percentage of that, it's typically anything more than just a shove or a handcuff or et cetera. So if you look at the statistics, the, le the levels of force are very, very low. But what happens is what they're showing is these extreme acts of violence or extreme situations like the George Floyd case. They don't show you the other, you know, 13 million or 14 million interactions that just end rather peacefully. That's the one. So then all police are doing just that. And we're not justifying. You never heard anybody justify that. No. But what I'm saying is that's what people think we do. And so now the police are being attacked and placed under a serious microscope for that event, not the other 13 million. Well, you've been criminalized. Oh, oh, well, we do. We Right. Well, you can't face criminal charges. And No, no. What I'm saying is they've decided, and, and this is a song, when all the cops are criminals and all the sinners saints, they've decided now on the streets that they think you're criminals, right? They do. <laughs> and, 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 and here's the sad part. And who I really hold accountable is law enforcement leadership. I hold law enforcement leadership very accountable because they need to get out there. They need to be engaging the community and telling the community what our role is. You know, police are driven by four items, constitutional standards, state standards, administrative standards, and community standards. And the community standards can alter those other three. But the big problem is if leadership doesn't tell the general public, right? In other words, they bail on the police officer immediately. In other words, without a full investigation, and they say, that guy's fired, he's under arrest or whatever. Like the guy, what was the guy's in Atlanta, I think? That's right. Immediately, arrested, fired, et cetera. Case goes, uh, arbitration goes before a judge, all, all, you know, in other words, moves through the justice system, cops acquitted. They had to pay him all that back pay, his reputation was seriously damaged, they had to put him back on the street. But what was the initial impression? Fire, criminalize, and get rid of him. That's right. And immediately, without any due process, they assumed he was guilty. They demonized him. Correct. So every cop in the country becomes a criminal in the eyes of millions of citizens. Correct. And what about the ones that really don't know or they want support? And they become inundated with these messages or these images. And police leadership isn't talking about it. Police leadership needs to get out in front of this. They need to have a serious discussion. And I'm talking about leadership. Right. I'm not talking about guys like me, union officials that, that represent the rank and file, which I'm doing my job. Right. You know, anytime the media contacts me, I, I, I respond about, about a situation. Leadership across this country owes it to society and the communities they serve to explain what law enforcement is really about and what its job is. Bob Schwarzwald, union president, joining me. All right, when we come back, we're going to drill down on Pittsburgh and what's happening. My argument is real simple. You don't have to decriminalize. You don't have to defund police here. You know why? Because they're leaving. You're not going to need money to pay them because there ain't going to be no cops left. It's bad. They're leaving in record numbers. They're saying to hell with this. Bob Schwartzwalder says, I'd rather lock my son in the basement than to be a cop right now. That's sad. Hey, look, let's keep it real. If you decided that all cops are bad cops, to hell with you. And I mean that in the nicest way, to hell with you. I'm so tired People who turn all the cops into criminals and all the sinners into saints. And I'm so tired of the rhetoric of the thousands of police-related shootings every year. 22. 22 unarmed. 
folks, 22, and most of them were in the process of assaulting a police officer. So you know. But what has happened is the voice of reason is gone, and the lunatics have taken over the asylum. And so now if you're a cop, you're a bad guy. What has happened as a result? I'll tell you what, man. I'm going to tell you the truth. Every cop I know doesn't pursue the job the way they used to. And i got to ask Bob Schwartzwalder that. My friends on the police department tell me that, in essence, you send me to a call, I'm going to the call. You ask me to do a job, I'm doing my job. But, Marty, I've backed off. Is that accurate, sir? Correct, Marty. So you, you know that there's self-initiated and there's uh, call-directed. In other words, somebody calls 911, the police have to respond. A lot of self-initiated stuff is what keeps the crime rate down, where the officers will move into uh, uh, areas based on the data that they're being given. High crimes here, high shooting volume here. So they'll start to patrol or send investigative units to those locations. That's self-initiated. They see uh, suspicious activity based on the legal standard of reasonable suspicion or probable cause. Now they can just say, I didn't see it. And I'm not saying they're all doing it. I'm just saying that the data is ind- indicative of the reduction in uh, investigati- investigative detentions and a reduction and reduction in other types of crimes that have been arrested and the increase in violent crime. So let me address that. I got this info from one of my friends on the department in Pittsburgh who says to me that they have such a spike in violent crime. Is this true? Most of the narcotics unit was forced to the violent crimes unit to investigate shootings because we have so many and can't keep up. Is it that bad? I, I have heard that. I, I, I don't have any uh, memorandums that they were moved, but I'm sure with the friends that you have, you probably have better information than I do. Uh, they have shifted investigative resources over to the violent crime section. That's correct. And, and this spike in violent crimes and increase in shootings of 80% and increase in homicides of over 100%. Have you ever seen this in your career, sir? The only time I, I remember it was in the early 1990s when the gang violence was rampant. You know, 92, 93, 94, 95. But the, the gangs were very, very prevalent then. Now, these are individuals solving their problems with firearms. Where in that time, In that time period... Before the FBI came in and gave us assistance and RICO Act, and we had all these violent gangs around the city. You recall that, Marty. We, had, we were having three, four, five shootings a day. Now these are pockets just trying to control their own criminal enterprises. These are a bunch of individuals as opposed to gang turf. And so that's the last time I saw it this bad. But as individuals just killing each other for the purpose of killing each other, I've never seen it this bad. And add insult to that injury there, the solve. The rate of solving homicides is at an all-time low. It's below 50%. Why? Because nobody will talk and no one will help. Well, I have a a saying that I have in 33 years in the business. Society will always achieve the criminality it seeks. So that's my phrase. I didn't steal that from anybody. It's not quoted. You can Google it. Right. And and the reason that I I use that that phrase is if you don't want certain crimes, you're going to you're going to promulgate a statute or you're going to expand your enforcement or you're going to change an enforcement activity, you know, with a unit, et cetera, or maybe you create a specialized unit or that's how the FBI came about or the ATF or any of these places that, that expanded in society that all came about. When you say we don't really care, then you reel into police, you come up with this idea of defunding or you reduce the numbers, which you and I, I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Or you tell the police, you give them directives, 
you will not do A, B, and C in spite of the fact that the statute or the rules of criminal procedure or other things give the police authority and demand that they do it. And now you run into this problem where crime is up, police are fleeing the field, and citizens are placed at greater risk. Uh, and, le- and leadership has put their head under the pillow. They have. All right, so let's talk about the exodus. I'm getting texts almost every day. Four left today, four left tomorrow, two retired. Are they, is this hyperbole or is this true, sir? So, Marty, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a facts and data guy. I, I yeah. don't buy rhetoric, right? So, but, you know, when I went to grad school, if I would even utilize rhetoric, I'd probably have failed out. So I have to go by facts and data. And we track facts and data. We have a committee. Uh, and I stopped at the FOP office before I came in to see you today. And let me just give you the numbers. So 2017, this is when it starts. Now, what happened in 2017? You remember? Kind of the Ferguson thing and some things across the country was going on, you know, right before that. You know, these, these and I'm not saying they were right. All I'm saying is just understand what was going on at the, in the climate. Pittsburgh Police, this is Pittsburgh Police only. 2017, 44 resignations. That means police officers not wanting to retire. They resigned. 44 resignations, 34 retirements. That's 2017. 2018, 38 resignations, 28 retirements. 2019, 33 resignations, 25 retirements. 2020, 27 resignations, 19 retirements. And right now, this is the first year that I've seen in that last five or six year trend. Now we have 28 retirements and 11 resignations, but it's only June. So what that, does that tell you? This is the scary thing. When resignations outpace retirements, yeah. that's scary. Because these are, these are professionals and this different generation of an officer that says, I don't need this this headache. I'm out of here. This is BS. Right, I'm out. I'll go work construction. And they're not all leaving for law enforcement jobs. Most of my retirees are going, becoming homicide detectives or or county sheriffs because they're paying better. Right. So my retired my retired officers, they're going and staying in the field at least five or ten more years. My resignees, they're going to their other professions. Wow. These are millennials. These are sharp, intelligent, college-educated men and women that can go do other things. And they say, hey, I wanted law enforcement. I wanted to serve my community. But the way you're treating me and the way you're paying me, adios. Whoa. Adios. That's sad. Yep. And That's scary. What's and scary. Correct. Because it's going on across the country. All you have to do is Google it. And so we don't have to defund the police. They're defunding themselves. Oh, you're going to defund it, and you're going to have a crisis. If, they, if you, they don't turn this around and everybody gets serious and has a legitimate conversation about what's really going on, it's going to be like the military post-Vietnam. You're going to have to pay bonuses. You're going to have, I, I went through that. You know, that was the years I started post-Vietnam. And uh, you're going to have to offer bonuses. You're going to have to do heavy recruitment. You're going to put an extra burden on the taxpayer. And, and just like the military had to do, you're going to have to change the perception. And it's going to cost millions of dollars to do it. Bob Schwarzwald, Union President, bringing it, baby. Look, I, I think there's a reckoning in America. And... I, I certainly hope that there's an epiphany in every single major city in America where they've talked about defunding police. Crime is up by 40%. It's, folks, it's insane. It, it's Armageddon in some cities. And it's not just the video you see out of Portland. 
it's it's just not the crime stats you see out of Chicago in our town. Hey man, shootings up one hundred percent, homicides up eighty percent. In a and check this out, cops are backing off, and check this out, they're leaving in record numbers, and there's no incentive for them to stay. In fact, I've got Union President Bob Schwartzwalder here with me. So Bob, while we were on the air. You get a text that what happened? Officer that left. Officer walked right into the FOP office to talk to my office manager and asked her, um, how do I resign today? And she gave him the instructions while we were on the air doing the show. Resign. Now, again, retirement is expected, you know, in their 50s and older because you're going to get a pension, maybe go somewhere else or do something else or go to Florida, whatever it is the retirees are going to do. This is an officer that wants to resign with no incentive to go to another police department. That officer is going to go do something else other than police work. So the new mayor, Ed Ganey, presumptive new mayor, said, and I quote, your officers are over-policing in minority neighborhoods in the city. Is that a fact? Is that accurate, sir? Over-policing. Well, I don't know what he bases his opinion on. So I, you know, I'm not going to comment directly, specifically on his personal opinion. Right. Okay? What I will say is this. The police are only going to go where the call volume and the crime takes them. That's where they're going to go. If that happens to be in an African-American neighborhood, that's where they're going to go because the vast majority of officers' responses, especially during the pandemic, because we had very, very strict rules to be very careful on self-initiated activity because of the pandemic, you know, because we don't want to cause a community spread. So when the officers were going into those neighborhoods and stuff like that, they were being called there by citizens who live there. So if it's call generated, and I've asked numerous times right. for the city, I've asked the city to do this because I'm a facts and data guy, qualitative, quantitative analysis, empirical, all this stuff social scientists use. And I said, look, go to the 911 tapes, di- deep dive in there and see where your call volume is and what neighborhoods, and then publish that data. Because right now it's everybody's opinion. But we as a society, especially academics, social scientists, et cetera, should be given the public the real data, not opinions. So what you're saying is what I say. If a house is on fire, you put out the damn fire. You don't send the fire trucks to the neighborhood where there's no house on fire, sir. That is correct. You, what's going to drive law enforcement response is data. And for people to think that we haven't evolved in the last 40 or 50 years with this, And this is where I hold leadership accountable. They have analysts to analyze this stuff. They need to analyze. They're paying them pretty decent, too. So analyze it and publish the real data. For example, Marty, on my regular job, I'm a firearms instructor, okay, right right now, and then tactics instructor. So one of my uh, intel analysts send me the data every year on uh, situations where my officers respond and they recover rifle ballistic evidence. Rifle ballistic evidence, right. right? Because everybody said when we we armed our officers with rifles, we would just we would uh, disparately use that rifle against uh, people of color, right? Okay, because you know it's a new system and stuff like that. Well, the data doesn't back it up. We've had like maybe three rifle shootings, and the predominant rifle shootings were the ones at, at uh, Tree of Life. That's where the biggest one happened because they got in a gunfight at Tree of Life and the SWAT unit. So with that data, I prove. 
that there's a massive amount of people getting shot. 25 to 30% of people getting shot in the city of Pittsburgh are getting shot with rifles by, by, by uh, bad guys. Right. Okay. So you need it because you have to be able to respond to that threat. Without it, you're at a disadvantage. Let's right? talk about downtown. Sure. Um, it's changed dramatically. Okay. Uh, my wife has friends that are afraid to walk to their cars, oh. harassed. I-, I saw it firsthand, quite frankly. I was down there. Uh, we were harassed. And, and folks are crapping on the streets, urinating on the streets. It's disgusting what's happened downtown. I have 20 videos sent to me by your guys showing me folks ODing and throwing up in aggressive panhandling. So the citizens say, why won't these police arrest them? Because I'm told the mayor says you better not. Well, first of all, the 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 fact of loitering or uh, and a lot of these people are, as you all know, they're they're uh, they suffer from some level of mental illness. Yes, sir. So what they want to do is uh, at least the progressives, for lack of a better term, uh, want to remove that mission from law enforcement. Okay, police have no problem with that. Go ahead. Because, but here's the, here's the downside of that. You better staff it. You better fund it. It better be able to operate 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So where are you going to get the money? If you're going to take that, and again, how can you figure this out? Go to your data set, figure out how many are mental health calls, right, based on your data, and then say, okay, if 40% is mental health, you take that call volume away from the police. But remember, though, don't call the police for that. Because the 911 operator says, oh, we don't respond to that. Mm. So you have to call, you know, tree, whatever, whatever you want to call that unit. Right. Whatever you want to call that mental health unit, you do that. But what the city did in response to this many, many years ago in other cities, they created the CIT version, right? The crisis intervention teams and trained officers in CIT, mental health, and all this kind of stuff. And so we adapted to the program. Well, they don't want police going to that now. So if you don't want them going, I'm fine, but you better figure out a way to fund it and staff it. Bob Schwartzwalder joining me, union president, folks. Great stuff. We'll be right back. So I'll tell you what is scary. I think so. The police citizens control board. So they're going to hire, no, they're going to elect a bunch of amateurs, if they can, and they're going to hire, fire, and discipline cops. My man. That says danger. That, that's scary to me. What do you say? So what we already have, Marty, and I don't know if you're aware of it, we already are in litigation. I filed a grievance based on our contract states that an officer cannot be compelled, compelled to testify before the Citizens Police Review Board. Right. Okay, because we have Office of Municipal Investigations and the Chief's Office can compel a statement. I don't know if your listeners know this. The department can compel a statement from an officer without any Miranda warnings at any time for what the officer particip- what the officer uh, just performed. If the officer refuses to answer those questions, the officer can be fired on the spot. They could appeal it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court would uphold that uh, termination immediately, right then. So if the chief walks in that door right now, says, hey, Bob, you're going to give me this statement right now, right here on your show, and I give it to him, we'd have to go off air, and I don't do it, I could be fired. So now what they want to do, and this is what we did with the Citizens Police Review Board, and I will probably be forced to do it with this new group, is you want to engage in discipline, which is a mandatory subject of collective bargaining, and you have to bargain that into the contract. If you fail to do that and fail to bargain that into the contract, it's going to fail. And it happened in Florida, it happened in Colorado, and it happened in other states where the Supreme Courts of those states threw out those bodies. 
threw them out. Mm. Said you can't compel the officers to go give statements to those bodies when they have their own internal investigative process that is governed by the U.S. Supreme Court. I, I got to ask you before you go, and sure. I'm out of time, but I need to know. I think because of what we just stated, the resignations, the indignance and indifference, uh, the lack of enthusiasm by some officers in pursuing crimes, I think citizens in the city are at greater risk than they ever have been. Do you agree or disagree? Based on, you know, some of the some of the theoretical things that we've discussed here and some of the actual uh, practices that are occurring, I do believe that they are at a greater risk. And the only way to change it, in my opinion, and this is strictly Bob Schwartzwater's opinion, leadership's got to step up. They got to capture the data. They've got to tell the public what's really, really, really going on here and stand behind it, regardless of them putting their own careers on the line. Because that's what being a leader is, Marty. That's why I do your show. My officers that I represent and elected me to this office expect me to come on shows like this and tell it like it is. And these, and I don't get paid nearly the six figures that a lot of these chiefs get paid. You know, most of my work is volunteer. Like I'm on vacation day to day. I'm in your show doing, you know, all, right. you know, doing this for my members. Here's the deal. Until these leaders step up and get real data, this is going to continue it's going to become an avalanche. The young officers are going to flee the field. You're going to have a crisis in policing, and the crime wave is going to continue. Bob Schwartzwell, thanks, my man. Thank you for having me, Marty. Man, strong stuff. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.